Well, good morning. Uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, as usual, my name is Glenn, one of the elders, pastors here at The Rock Church. I just want to welcome you uh, to be with us this morning as we live stream. Got a few of us here in the building this morning, but it's really great just to be able to uh, worship with you and share God's Word with you uh, on Sunday morning. So welcome. We're beginning a brand new three-week series uh, today, a three-week mini-series today, entitled, get this, Identity. A journey to discover your true self. Uh, truth be told, I, I had thought of doing an identity series last fall, actually, sometime in September, October, uh, in the church, and 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 it was a result, I think, of what most of us would agree was a, was a pretty challenging and difficult summer, from the perspective of a few key issues. Number one being racial injustice. Right, we saw that going on in our world, particularly in the United States, and the emergence of a lot of talk around the subjects of oppression, and especially how that related to people of color and people in the LGBTQ plus communities. I feel, and I'm glad, that the Holy Spirit at that time encouraged me not to go there, not to do a series at that time. And the primary reason for that was it was just a bit too raw. It was too fresh what was going on in our world. And so I'm very grateful that he did that, since during my sabbatical over these past three and a half months, uh, he showed me a great deal about my own personal identity, which I'll share with you a little bit this morning, and what I hope will be a much more uh, helpful way to lead us as a church in these days and related to these actually really important subjects. As I mentioned last Sunday, the second phase of the sabbatical for a pastor anyway that I went through is spending a lot of time reading and listening and praying specifically about the subject of identity, and, and then out of that, calling. And so I, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, praying, uh, listening to audible books, uh, walking around the golf course, reading, and, and just trying to dive back into who is this guy, you know? Who I am, ha, am I at this age, at this stage of my life, uh, as a pastor in ministry? Uh, who am I in Christ? Like, and, and it was such an incredibly valuable time to me. It was powerful hearing from the Lord, and certainly I feel He's led me to feeling. Uh, he has given me a much better perspective in that feeling of how to share this series with you. So my hope and my heart is actually this. I believe that the vast majority of you, uh, at least those of you who I know at the Rock Church, and I, we, we know each other as friends and, and also as, as members of the church, and so we know each other quite well, I, I believe the vast majority of you honestly want to know how to best love those who hold views that are not necessarily the same as the views that we hold. To love in particular those who are part of, yes, the LGBTQ plus community. And what the Spirit has told me is this, you and I need to know who we truly are first. If, if there's any chance of us being able to love others, we need to know who we truly are, what our true selves or our personal true identity truly is. And so what I've discovered over these last few months is this, the journey that I have been on for the past 43 years as a Christian, uh, uh, so far, uh, I realized this. I'm not finished. God is not finished with me. There's a lot of work to be done. As I look back on my life into my, my teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, there were times when I, when I thought I knew who I was, or at least 
my identity was, was such and such, and, and then it changed over time. There seems to be some sort of transformation taking place in my life. And so I really realized it, though, in the last few months that there's still a long way to go. Uh, I still have a lot of transformation to take place. And so I believe you would be honest to say that's true for you as well. In fact, as I've been thinking about those men and women who are represented by that list of consonants, LGBTQ+, those people who believe that these represent their true identity, I feel we should be much, much more understanding of this point at least. They collectively are very clear examples in our world and culture of all of us who are trying to be exploring consider whether it's true of you. It's part, actually, of the human condition. It seems to be that we are unsure and therefore constantly exploring who we are. So if part of the goal of a series like this, then, is to help better equip us to understand and love those who struggle with identity, then maybe let me put it to you this way. And this is what I've been asking myself. Who are you? (laughs) Who am I to tell someone else what to believe is true about their personal identity, who they believe they are, what their true self is, if you and I don't really understand that. And so that's really what I want to spend time with you is, and and myself is, is exploring over these three weeks, who are we? Is there such a thing out there as our true self? Or or is it something that we eventually self-define? And so that then is part of the goal of this series. So, for starters today, then, I would like to encourage you that this three-part series is actually just the beginning of the journey. I mean, please, uh, far be it from me to be able to suggest to you that I could teach you everything you need to know about your true self, uh, who you actually are as a human being, and, and, and what that actually looks like in three weeks. It's impossible. I hope to show you that it is, however, the Christian life. That, that's actually what it's all about. It is lifelong. It's actually called, theologically, our sanctification. That part of the Christian journey that begins after we have been sparked, regenerated, resuscitated, I like to say, by the Holy Spirit, after trusting and believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and after we've received the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us and guide us. We have gone literally, the Scripture teaches us, from death, spiritually, to life. From our old nature and our old self to begin the journey toward our true self. The newly born creation that we are in Christ. And so it doesn't happen overnight. And anyone else figured that out yet? It's a journey. It's a journey. It's what the Apostle Paul means when he says, and we'll put this up on screen, um, and it is this from 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Maybe we can put that screen up. (laughs) That would be great. Let me read that again for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is... I want to emphasize that word, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You get it? Okay. 
We'll come back to that. We'll unpack it. So the ultimate goal then is that we learn that the journey to discovering your true self is the Christian life. It's a lifelong journey, and the reason why we continually read the Word of God. It's the reason why we continually and faithfully show up on Sunday mornings to hear the Word of God preached. It is the reason why we live in community one with another to speak the Word of God into each other's lives, to disciple one another so that we will grow in our faith and our relationship with Christ and be transformed day by day along this journey into our true selves. Now that said, let me also say this and ask something of you this morning. First of all, I feel like it's almost a no-win situation, (laughs) a little bit, uh, to discuss some of the issues that we need to discuss during this series. Um, Because the mere mention of words like, and we will mention these words over the next three weeks, gender, sexuality, and identity, as we've already been talking about, And certainly people groups are very loaded words. They are. As soon as something like that comes up at a dinner table or in a conversation, can you feel it? Can can you feel there's some tension? Especially when people begin to disagree. And so I, I need to ask you this. Would you please show me a lot of grace today, next Sunday, and the following Sunday? Uh, Give me a lot of grace. Honestly, we all need to, yes, speak the truth in love and with grace, but we also need to listen well with grace. I I know, I know for sure that I I will probably say something or uh, uh, communicate it with a certain inflection or whatever that will be completely taken the wrong way. I just want to promise you, I am going to try to do my best. So let's show each other grace in this. So finally, yes, I know a long intro, but our outline for the series will look something like this. Today, we will be looking at at a couple of very important foundational biblical truths that we need to know and believe if we consider, as we consider, pardon me, identity and discovering our true self. Next week, we'll dive more deeply into the ways in which we have um, formed false identities and how falling back into our old nature or our our self, old self, I should say, prevents us from the transformational work of the Spirit and actually growing into our true self. Then finally, in the third week, we will discover how our true self, how our true identity gives us the meaning and purpose in our lives that God intends for us all through our calling and our vocation. Let me pray for us one more time. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much again for this morning. Thank you for gathering us here uh, in this way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your life and your, your teachings and your love for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to be the one today who... Uh, just illuminates our hearts and our minds to the truth of the Word, to the truth of of, of who you are and what you've done, and and out of that, who we are and how then we should live. I just pray that you would help me today. You would help all of us to um, speak well, speak in truth and love, and to hear well. And I pray these things in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen.
So as we've studied the Word of God over the years, we've, we've often used a couple of very simple ways to uh, understand and see the overarching story of God. One of the most familiar is just the four words, you know, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So, so Genesis to Revelation, the story of God is right there. There's creation, there's fall, and there's need for redemption, and then we're in this restoration phase. There's also this, and we, uh, we as the, uh, the Rock Church, we also come to this a lot, a lot. We come to know, and this is important, and we see it in four ways. Who God is, through the Scripture, through the teachings of God's Word, through the Holy Spirit's illumination of our hearts and minds, what He has, has actually done, and it was a result of those two things, who He is, what He has done, tells us volumes of who, in fact, we are. And out of that, how then we should live. So as I was uh, uh, on a, a sabbatical near the end, so trust me, occasionally Rudy and I would have some FaceTimes just as I was beginning the re-engage phase about coming back. And when, when Rudy first shared with me the Holy Spirit's prompting to do the Knowing God series, I was like, because we hadn't talked about it at all, and, and I was just kind of like, wow. Because I'm walking the golf course trail, as I said to you last week, almost every day, praying about, you know, these things and praying that Holy Spirit, you know, like, speak to me, teach me. And then, and, and then as I'm thinking of coming back, okay, what does our church need? What do we need as a church? And when he said that, he told me that, I was like, huh, that's, that's pretty interesting because what the Holy Spirit was putting on my heart and my mind was this series, which is essentially about knowing yourself knowing ourselves. So one book that I listened to repeatedly, I bought the Audible of it, I also bought the uh, Kindle version of it, I, I listened to it repeatedly, I don't know, four, maybe five times, and then sometimes I'd go back to certain chapters because I wanted to re-listen to it, and then I got the Kindle because I wanted to highlight it, and, and I've, I've been over that book, and it's really, really blessed me. The book is called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. He is a Christian psychologist, which for some of you is going to sound like an oxymoron, but uh, in this case, uh, he's, he is a Christian. And, and the fellow who recommended the book to me, he actually said, because he knows me a little bit and maybe some of my theology leanings, and he said, Glenn, listen, this is one of those meat and bones books, okay? So just chew on the good stuff and spit out the bones. And, and I have to tell you, there were, there were a couple of bones in there, a couple of things, I don't know about that quote or whatever, but overall, I, I just have to tell you, I think it, was, uh, it is a great book. A, a phrase that he repeated initially uh, made me wonder, but it was this. He said in his book, you cannot truly know God until you truly know yourself. And then he said, and you can, can't truly know yourself without truly knowing God. And when I first heard that, I'm like, well, that's, well, that's I mean, I know that, the, but circular, right? So I was like, which comes first, chicken or the egg, right? And, and so I was thinking about that. And so yet, an understanding, quite frankly, of the interdependence of knowing self and knowing God, maybe you don't know this, and maybe you're just thinking this is some psychologist talk or psychobabble, hold on. It's actually held a lasting and respected place in, Christ, in Christian theology for millennia, since the days of the apostles, I would suggest to you. A man by the name of Thomas Akempis, some of you who are Catholic background might remember this man, he argued this and he said these words, a humble self-knowledge is a surer way to God than a search after deep learning. 
Augustine prayed this, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know Thee. Now, most of you would probably say, you know, Augustine was pretty legit. He was okay. And these are just two examples of a vast number of preachers. I, I, I know men like uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott and other, you know, aged, gone to be with Jesus preachers and pastors who are well-respected who would have articulated the same words. And the, the, the author of the book that I mentioned also said this, Christian spirituality involves a transformation of the self that occurs only when God and self are both deeply known. Both, therefore, have an important place in Christian spirituality. So I want to suggest to you there is no deep knowing of God without a, without a deep and honest knowing of self. For those of you who are a little bit more conservative, maybe this quote will help you. His name is John Calvin, and he wrote, Nearly the whole, look at this, of sacred doctrine consists in these two parts, knowing knowledge of God and of ourselves. So to best start us on this journey, this phase of our Christian walk, as I mentioned earlier, I believe there, there are a couple of real basics that we need to understand. Just, just going to look at those this morning. Uh, one in length and the other one a little shorter. But we, we've got to understand these things. We must understand these things, not just understand them, believe them in our hearts if we are ever going to get to our true self and our true identity in Christ. First, and I, I, I think most of you would, would agree with this, when we are born, we have no idea who we are. Right? Like, we, we don't. When we're born, we come into this world and it's like, we, we can't even speak. We, we have no concept of identity. It's interesting. I don't know who it was I was reading. Um, it might have been Francis Schaeffer. I can't remember. But they were basically saying, you know, when, if you're a dog or if you're a, a tulip, you know, you don't get up in the morning and go, who am I? <laughs> like, you, you don't have that conversation. You're just, I'm a dog. I know what I do. Right? They're, they're, those kind of conversations don't play, take place. Now, in, in humans, however, of course, they do. And so for the point we're born, what's interesting is this, and again, it's not just psychologists that will say this. Ask any parent, uh, ask any adult for, this, for that matter. From that point until much later in our lives, the truth is we all learn from sources that are both positive and negative to form an identity for ourselves. Some of those sources, as I've said, are positive. Some, uh, sadly, are negative. Those positive ones are coming from parents or others in our lives that we assume or, or hope have healthy self-knowledge and identities, but of course, we also know that's not always the case. It's not always the case. Before we go too deeply into that idea, we will come back to that next week in great detail. But first, we should also see this. Before you are born, your true self actually does exist. Let's begin where it all begins, in the book of Genesis. The true self does exist when you are born. The scripture teaches this to us. We are all created in the image of God. And, and so most important from that, that saying, and we'll look at the verses in a second, is, is that we understand that by God saying that, that we are created in his image, it means we reflect him. We reflect the triune God who lives in a loving, submissive community before he creates us. And so you all know these words, but let's read them afresh in Genesis 1, 
verses 26 to 27. Then God said, he spoke and said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. These, these are the words of God. This is God speaking. Moses recording it, of course, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so from the beginning, God created us, and we can see it clearly, but just loosely defined maybe in some of our minds, with identity and with purpose. He foresaw and foreknew us as male and female, and in that, that was going to reflect him, who he is. And then we read in verse, the very next verse, in verse 28, and God blessed them. He blessed the man and the woman. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And again, we see in that purpose and, and, and some out of purpose, certainly some identity. We're created in the image of God and we, we, we've been given his, his creation to steward, having dominion, not meaning pillage and plunder, but to care for and, and to protect and to steward well. Well, then we also know that after we read chapter 2, it kind of breaks down more about how God created the man first, and, and Adam was single for a little while. But then we read in verse uh, 24 of Genesis 2, Therefore, after God has created the woman and brought her to him, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So from, from the very beginning, it would appear our meaning, purpose, and identity was and is as male and female, and for a one flesh relationship that multiplies, fills the earth, produces more life, and cares for the creation that God has given to us. Well, the rest of the Bible essentially builds on all that. That is foundational. But actually, I want to show you this this morning. This is important when it comes to your true self and something that you and I, we need to open up our minds to it and, and understand that it, our true self is not what our parents have imposed on us or teachers or the culture or the world or what we have self-defined as. We have a true self even before we are born. It actually goes back before the time of Genesis to something that I'm not sure we all have reflected on very deeply or deeply as we should. Scripture teaches in many ways and many places that, listen, God knew you, all of us, personally before we were born. Actually, before the foundation of the world, He knew us. It's a mind-blowing concept, I understand. But think about it. Speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, we hear God's famous words to Jeremiah when He said, before, before I formed you, I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. And before you were born, I consecrated you, meaning and purpose. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Friends, this, this is true for every single one of us. 
This is who he is. This is who the God of the universe is. Now listen, I, I understand. I mean, sit back for a second and just let's let that settle, okay? Let's let just absorb that for a second. Sitting in my backyard yesterday, beautiful sunny sky, you know, cedar hedges behind the, our deck, and I'm looking around and there's birds. And, and then I see the leaves on the, 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 the maple tree, the red maple tree in our, in our backyard blowing in the wind. And then I, I see even the, the cedar hedges moving a little bit and there's squirrels running through it. And I'm looking at Gracie going, squirrel, you know, it's our dog, Gracie. And, and, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, and this is just because I'm thinking of this passage and this idea, and I'm thinking, you know what? This is hard for us to comprehend. He knows every movement. Our God knows every single movement. Now, is, is it really important that you believe that about him? I'll leave that up to the Holy Spirit to convince you on that one, but here's what's really important for you to know. He knows you and I personally. And I, and I know, listen also, it's like thinking, wait a second, how many billions of people are on the planet right now? What are we up to? Seven, eight billion people and growing? And how many people have lived before? Like how many billion before? And, and is it possible, is it possible that the God of the universe knew before they were born every single human being? The answer is his word says he does. So the truth is he knows you and he knows me. Now, now here's where it goes. We've got to go a little further. Well, who did he actually know <laughs> before he formed me in my mother's womb, right? Um, did, did, he, did he know the Glenn who would struggle and define himself, uh, as, try to self-identify him through much of his adult life as a successful businessman, pridefully, I might add? Did he know me when I was a teenager and I started to rebel against my parents and started to hang out with certain friends and be drawn into growing my hair and inhaling substances and whatever else I was doing? Did he know that Glenn? Did he know the Glenn who would not really truly follow him and certainly break most of his commandments? Not some of the really horrible ones, but most of them? At least the spirit of all of the commandments? Did he know that Glenn? Yes, of course he did. But I also want to encourage you that he knew the true Glenn. Just like he knew the true Adam and the true Eve, who were their true selves before they bought the lie, that they could self-identify, that they too could be God, and identify themselves however they wanted to. So I want to ask you, do you know that today? Do you know that to be true? about your God? Do you believe it? I think actually in a way that may not seem obvious to most of us, but I, I really do believe we all know that, Christian and non. You all actually do know that to be true. It is why all of us spend most of our lives so desperately trying to define ourselves, to find our true self. Again, it's something we call, and we get it from the verses in Genesis that we just read. It's called the Imago Dei, the residual in every single human being of the image of God that he has planted in all of us that leads us to actually believe, to think, not like some Darwinian evolutionist uh, theory, but as an actual human being created in the image of God, that there actually is a better me, a better I, a better person, self out there. I mean, think about it. Why would we even have that concept that there's a true me out there? 
So first, there is a true you. And yes, as we've already heard David Benner say, I'm going to quote him again, it won't be on screen, Christian spirituality involves a transformation of the self that occurs only when God and self are both deeply known. There is no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of yourself, and no deep knowing of self without a deep knowing of God. Therefore, friends, listen, our sanctification, which is the whole Christian life, is about us getting and growing more and more in the knowledge of our true self and the knowledge of God simultaneously. And we get to know God and our true self. How? <laughs> Where? Sure, the Holy Spirit, but you all know, right here, from the very Word of God. So finally, on this first important point, which is, as I already said, is the longest point, so don't worry, um, which is that true self already exists, is out there, and is what God wants to transform you and I into. Let me show you from God's Word who you truly are right now. Who your true self is right now if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian. Do you believe you can see it from the Word of God? Well, let me show you. If you have your Bibles, you could open them to the book of Ephesians. Um, as a church, we used to study this book, chapter 1 to begin with. Uh, six or seven years ago, we went through the whole book of Ephesians verse by verse and in great depth. It's one of one of the most amazing epistles written by the Apostle Paul, right up there with Romans and Philippians and, okay, everything else he wrote, okay? It, it's, it's an amazing epistle. It's fantastic what we saw. But while on sabbatical and as a result of much reading and listening again during the identity and calling phase, I, I saw Ephesians in a whole new light. You know, I was taught in seminary and in Bible study that Paul has this pattern of writing his epistles and his letters, and it breaks down to the beginning is always about, about doctrine, Right? And then the last part is about duty. So even Ephesians is broken up. First three chapters is about doctrine. This is what you should believe. This is the truth. This is whatever. And then, and then he starts chapter four with therefore. <laughs> and it's about duty, how then we should live. So the first part. But then as I'm walking and praying and, and listening to some other really good teaching on this, I realized, hold on a second. Ephesians is actually broken down this way first three chapters are about our identity. It's all about identity. And, and then the last three chapters are about calling. It's beautiful. So listen, I, I just want to read with you verses 3 to 14 with very little commentary, but as we read, would, would you prayerfully think about this? What are these words written by the Apostle Paul from the Holy Spirit telling you about who you are right now, if you're in Jesus Christ. Let's read. Paul starts with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. When? Right now. Before Him. In love. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will, 
to the praise of His glorious grace with which He blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption. We have it. Through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We have it. According to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Last few words, watch this. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, then and there you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Paul cannot possibly contain himself. Now, it's interesting. We'll get into this next week. I'm not going to read the words, but if you look at the very next verses at the beginning of chapter 2, all of a sudden, Paul goes from this to you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Remember your former life? Remember what you were like? What's going on here? Um, this, this is the part that becomes difficult, and, and next week we'll get into it, and it's difficult. But the problem, I think, for most Christians is, is that we, we fail to see that our true self already exists, and that is we are already obtaining these things. In Christian language and theology, it's sometimes called position versus practice, right? Or standing versus state. So dear Christian, please understand right now, your true self, your position in Christ is already perfect. It's already there. And we can learn more and more and more about what that looks like from 2 Corinthians that we read from Paul earlier and all of the verses surrounding that, from Colossians, from Romans, from Ephesians. Your position is already guaranteed, secure, and perfect. You just need to look to it. Your practice? Huh. Yeah, that's what we need sanctification for. We need to keep moving away from the old self and toward the new and true self. Such a beautiful, beautiful idea and and practice. And and I hope next week especially you'll see it because we're going to get down to putting up a mirror, looking in the mirror and going, yeah, we can't, we can't avoid our actual self today. We must look at those things. So as I meditated on this whole subject, and we will get to our conclusion in a second, I was thinking about, okay, like, have I ever in my lifetime ever known someone who uh, modeled well the fact that they really knew their true self? And, like, they really, really knew. And I, I thought of a few lame examples of people who, who knew that they were born to be, you know, a great musician or a great artist or whatever. They just knew it, right? Um, but the truth is, I, I couldn't think of anyone who, who in, in biblical terms, and, and then all of a sudden, of course, you stop and you go, is, well, his name is Jesus, right? It, you know, and, and then the, the Lord just put on my heart, and I just want to read them really briefly for you. If anyone, and he, and he displays it in the Gospel of John, John records it, Jesus displayed it on seven occasions at least, where he used I am 
to display to you and I that he fully knew who he was. Fully knew. Jesus said first in John in chapter 6, I am the bread of life. You all have heard that before. Jesus makes a statement about who he is, and then he backs it up with an action. What does he do? Feed 5,000 people. But of course, what was he referring to? Well, he was referring to the wilderness and the manna that came down from heaven. And he is, I am. How did God introduce himself to Moses in the Old Testament? I am that I am. Tell them that's who I am. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He then says, I am the light of the world. And we just read in Genesis where we, we, we learn that the first thing that God says is, let there be light. I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. And of course, this I am statement is rather exclusive. And he will say it again in a second, you'll hear, but he's saying here that, listen, this is the one door. It's me. I am that door. You must come through this door. He also said, I am the good shepherd. Again, he, he aligns himself with God the Father clearly there because he is quoting from Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. But Jesus knows who he is, who his true self is. He also said at the time of just before he raises Lazarus from the dead, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who can resuscitate you today, but also resurrect your dead body to be with me in the heavenly places as your true self for eternity. He also said, and my favorite one, quite frankly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's a great I am. And he ends with, I am the true vine. We are branches in that vine if we are in Christ. And that's our sustenance. That's what we need in this sanctification and this growing in Him. So listen, all of these statements were made by the God-man who truly knew His identity. Amen? Like they're, they're all made by Jesus, who He truly is, and out of that, how then He should live. How then did He live? Perfectly perfectly fulfilling the will of the Father at all times. His whole life fulfilling the perfect will of His Father and for the sake of you and for me. So friends, this is the one person whom we follow. This is the only person who we should follow when it comes to our identity. No person, book, blog, podcast, worldly theory, or philosophy of self-knowledge or improvement will lead you or me there. None. They won't. In fact, they, they may lead us completely in the wrong direction. None of these ways have the power to transform you and me in the way that we need transformation. And that is where? Not here. Here. We need transformation of the heart. So a question that we must ask is this. How did Jesus actually do it? How did he do that? How did he live that life? Yeah, it's just, he's God, but he's man. He's fully a man. And yes, he had the Holy Spirit of God. Yes, but he's still a man. He said all these statements about who he was, and, and they're all true. We know that to be true today. But people didn't believe him then. People ridiculed him. They didn't believe in a lot of places a word that he said, especially the religious types. So how did, how did he remain faithful and true and strong how did he truly know his identity? Well, 
I think it's the second thing that you and I need to have today, and we'll certainly look at it in much more depth next week. He had this, and he knew he had this. He had the love of the Father. You remember his baptism? You remember he, he shows up and John the Baptist says, what am I doing baptizing you? And Jesus went, we need to do this. He comes up out of the water. Matthew records it in chapter 3, verse 17. The voice of the Father says to Jesus, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now, I think about it. Did God the Father need to do that? Did, did he do it just so that preachers like me would be able to go, there you go, the, the Trinity on display, Father, you know, speaks, Jesus is present, Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, we got the Trinity, woo! Did he do it for that reason? I don't think so. I think he did it for two reasons, but one in particular. Jesus needed to hear those words. This is the beginning of his ministry. Three and a half years from those words, Jesus would be nailed to a Roman cross and would die. But you know what happens right after these words? The Holy Spirit takes them by the hand, leads them into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted by Satan. As I was walking, I'll leave you with this this morning. As I was walking the golf course trail uh, almost two months ago now, uh, I, one of the things I'm praying through this time is I'm praying, Lord, I really want to hear your voice. <laughs> like, I've never actually heard an audible. I don't know about you guys. I've, I've never actually heard an audible. I've heard the Spirit speak to me. I, I, you know, like that small, still voice. I feel I've heard things from the Word. But I'm walking along and, and I, I'm praying and I'm, I'm specifically just absorbing all these things about my own identity and who I am. And, I, you know, this, this Glenn who still sins and, and who's, you know, Sometimes doesn't feel super capable to do the job he's called to do. And I'm, I'm walking along going, Lord, would you, would you please speak to me? I really need to hear your voice. And as the closest thing I think I've ever heard in my Christian walk as an audible were these words, you too, Glenn, are my, are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, listen, I stopped. <laughs> And I, I, the first thought was, wait a second, is that biblical? I mean, my thought was, of course, I'm not Jesus. But then the Spirit said to me, no, Glenn, you're not. But you are already a son of the Most High God. You have been adopted. And you are an heir to the inheritance that Jesus received. Friends, as we continue in this series and on this journey, this, I believe, is the most foundational thing for you and I to know in order to come to know your true self. And that is that you are absolutely, deeply loved. You are more deeply loved than you probably realize. I certainly realized that on that day. And approved. Can you believe that? Approved. Well done. I, I figured those only chance we would ever hear those words is when we die, you know, hopefully, you know, when we stand before him. So let me encourage you today, no matter what you do do or do not do for his sake or for the kingdom, what you do that you shouldn't do, none of these things will change how deeply loved you are 
by him right now. Pray with me, would you?